0: crossroads with our nation if we're not careful can give us maybe fear too much anxiety i pray for people a lot dealing with that right now fear doubt anxiety with where we see things are going but we always have to remember that god's sovereignty is going to be your sanity god's sovereignty is your sanity in these difficult times and god has given me a burden for whatever reason for this type of message Um, revival type messages. And revival, I don't know if you've ever heard that term. Some people think of weirdness. Other people think of revival meetings. Uh, But the term is thoroughly biblical. It just means God reviving his church, reviving people, Uh, spiritually speaking. Think of spiritual resuscitation. You ever see that? You know, they're, they're trying to revive someone, and the church, especially in America, needs that spiritual resuscitation. So the title of the message this morning is, Can a Nation Be Saved?
1: Can a nation be saved? How many of you think a nation can be saved? Hands up. How many think it can't? Oh, nobody's
0: honest, huh? I know not everyone agrees. Well, let me, let me clarify this a little bit, because it is a loaded question. Uh, and I write, I wrote a book on it, One Nation Above God, where you can actually get a lot of this, and we're going to try to send some more up here next week, or if anybody wants to drive down to our church and pick them up, let us know. We've got a box of books, uh, and just, we just give them away for free. We've got thousands going out every year, and uh, it's just, a, just love to bless people. But I talk about this theme often, is America a Christian nation? And can a nation be saved? Well, we know that a nation has boundaries its borders china russia america so technically a nation is a, a body of land so of course it can't be saved but the people inside of the nation those people can be the ones uh, aflamed with the passion of god those are the ones who can be saved and the reason it, this topic comes up is america a christian nation it's because if you look at our heritage if you look at how the nation was started you see that God's Word was throughout the court system, Uh, the public school system. Did you know why it was um, founded?
1: This is going to shock many of you. To teach the Bible. That's why they started the public school system, was to teach the Bible.
0: And when they would make laws uh, from rape to incest to all different kinds of laws, they would look at something called William Blackstone's Commentaries of the Laws of England that would define... Laws based on Scripture. Harvard. Harvard was a Christian university. It, it encouraged its students to lay Christ at the bottom as, as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning. Harvard and Yale and all these... So we see, we see that God's Word was, was throughout all of, of, of American history, especially when the Pur, Pur, uh, Puritans came over around 1620 and the Pilgrims came over, the Mayflower Compact that said to the advancement of the Christian faith, to the glory of God. And so the the argument you're always going to hear is, yeah, but what about slavery? Well, yeah, not good. Uh, But did you know that half of our founding fathers were against it? Oh, you're not going to hear that. Not with the agenda out there to try to make America this bad, evil country. Look how they treated the Native Americans. Yeah, pretty bad. The evil did. Did you know about all the Christians who tried to help? Salem witch trials. Did you read about the three Christian men that eventually brought that to an end? See, we don't, we don't see that side of history because we are given history by something called revisionists. And they like to rewrite American history so you all feel bad. Especially if you're white, bad. And if you're male and you're straight, feel really bad. And it's actually reverse racism. Those who say saying you're racist are actually the racist in our country. They are stirring these, this pot of, of, of disunity. They're causing all of this conflict. So if you look at American history, yeah, there was evil throughout, but there was a lot of good. And you see that God was was raising up uh, leaders and and the... the, the first great awakening happened in the 1700s. George Whitfield, John Wesley, Jonathan Edwards, and that spread in, into the colonies in the second great American awakening. And then you've got revivals popping up all over, even during the Civil War. And you see that God's word was elevated, and you see that the nation was being drawn back to God, even though there was decadence and, and depravity. So it begs the question today, can a nation be saved? Let me read a quote from John Winthrop, one of the founders of uh, the first colony there with the Puritans. He said, we shall be a city upon a hill. The eyes of all the people are upon us, so that if we shall deal falsely with our God in this work we have undertaken, and so cause him to withdraw his help from us, we shall be made a story and a byword throughout the whole world. And then the Mayfow- Mayflower Compact that I read earlier, we have taken this endeavor. What was the point of the Mayflower Compact? The Mayflower was to come to flee persecution and to come to America and set for the advancement of the Christian faith and to the glory of God. Now it's interesting. I can't. I try to work with the Mayflower Compact Society, um, and I, we couldn't quite trace it. It kind of it ends a little bit. But my mom has always told me that I, my lineage is from Piergrim White, the first baby born on the Mayflower in Cape, Cape, God, Cape Cod Bay. Uh, so it's interesting nonetheless, and, and always having that desire. Um, you see Richmond versus uh, Moore, the Illinois Supreme Court. Now, that, can you imagine this being said today in the, in the Illinois Supreme Court? Our laws and our institutions must necessarily be
1: woke They must not gravitate towards any type of religion. No.
0: Our whole institutions in our country must be based on the teachings of Jesus. It is impossible that we should be otherwise. In this sense and to this extent, we are empathetically Christian. The Illinois Supreme Court. Calvin Coolidge. 30th president of the United States, the foundation of our society and our government rests so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if there was faith in, I'm sorry, of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. And I've got more quotes from John Adams, uh, Benjamin Rush, one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. He said that the Constitution is not the offspring of inspiration, but its its form and adaption is by divine providence. By divine providence. And the House and Senate Judiciary Committee back in 1850, there's no substitute for Christianity. This is the religion of our founders of the Republic, and they expect it to remain the religion of their descendants. And there's quote after quote after quote of, why is this so important? Because you realize... Oh, we have drifted pretty far. We have drifted pretty far. And in cases like this, let me just, I'm going to drop a bomb right now. Hope it's okay. Everybody's talking about 2024. Okay, but we better get our faces on the floor and pray. There's no other hope in this right now. There's no plan B, there's no backup plan other than God bringing revival, awakening his church. There is no plan B. There is only one cure. There is only one remedy for the crisis we are in. It's for God's people to begin seeking him like never before. Now, will that work in the political arena and Hollywood and media? I hope so. We're supposed to to be influential in all areas of society. And that's why you'll hear this, uh, this phrase often, separation of church and state. Have you heard that a lot? That basically means church, shut your mouth. Don't, don't spread the truth. We don't want to hear the truth. And it's not in the Constitution. It's a lie. Thomas Jefferson actually used a phrase when he wrote a letter to the Baptist in Danbury, Connecticut. And he actually said, here's the funny thing. He said, don't worry. Don't worry. The government will not infringe on your religious freedom. There will be a separation of church and state. So then they used it, the, the Supreme Court in all their wisdom back then, used it to now block and say, you can't have Ten Commandment monuments, you can't pray in the school, you can't, the founders would have never, never embraced that. Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion, nor prohibit the free exercise thereof. So they can't establish a national religion, but they can freely and openly and unapologetically acknowledge the sovereign hand of God that has guided us. I get so tired of people saying, I can't have the Ten Commandment monuments in the courthouse. That offends me. Well, you wanting it to remove, it offends me. So when are we going to stop getting off of the offend me train and start saying, what is true? Yes, the gospel offends. The truth is offensive. It's supposed to pierce like a sword. It's, to devo- it's supposed to divide truth from error, right and wrong, light from darkness. That's what it does. And it's offensive. It's okay to be offensive. I learned that a long time ago. When I first started preaching, I'm like, Lord, please, I hope my sermons aren't offensive. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, was I in for a rude awakening. But I, about 20, I don't even think I met my wife at this point. Around 1999, 2000, just came back to the Lord on fire for God. I read this devotional by a guy named Oswald Chambers. I'll never forget it. Highlighted it. And he said the message of the gospel hurts and it offends until there is nothing left
1: to hurt and to offend oh that is so powerful don't you see it offends our pride it offends our
0: pride and i told the first service i'll go ahead and tell you if you don't like what i'm saying it's probably because you need to hear what i'm saying that's how it works we don't we don't like the light shine into these areas of darkness but it's so important And I'm going to read from the Old Testament. I'm going to read from Jeremiah, but I want to tell you something that's so important. We need to understand Old Testament application. Understanding Old Testament application. What I mean by that is when we grab verses from the Old Testament, we have to be careful because many of those verses were written in context. Uh, Any people who like to study the Bible in here? There's a phrase you've probably heard called context is king. Mm -hmm. So whenever I read scripture, I look at the historical context, uh, the, the linguistic, you know, the language style, uh, what was the author trying to convey? You know, what, what's the context here? Because if you get out of context, you can have it say whatever you say, whatever you want the Bible to say. And a lot of people, you know, they'll, it hasn't happened recently, but they'll say, you know what, Shane, you're not supposed to judge. Jesus said, judge not. And if you're, if you're not educated in the Bible, that the, Jesus did say that. Ah, oh, man, you got me there. Darn it. No. Context. He said, first, remove the plank from your eye. Humble yourself in the spirit of humility and speak the truth in love. Then you can go and judge your brother. See, it's all about the critical heart. But they like to twist Scripture so they can do whatever they want. And, and we have to look at it in context. So my point is, when I use these scriptures from the Old Testament, I understand the historical context, especially the most popular one on revival, bar none, in the last 50 years. Many of you know,
1: 2 Chronicles, right? 7, 14, it says, If Washington, if
0: Sacramento,
1: if Hollywood humble themselves and seek my face, What's it say? You, me. If my people. And so the context is Solomon is king. And God said, hey, when I bring pestilence, you know what pestilence is? We went through it recently, a couple years ago. When I bring pestilence, when I bring famine, when I bring drought, thank God for this year's rain because... Grant
0: works at AVEC. I used to work for a water district. And you know those aquifers, when they get low and they start cutting water, bye-bye landscaping, bye-bye rations. I mean, here comes rations. We were, we were pretty close, one one or two more years, <laughs> and it would have been pretty bad. Uh, we were already getting letters from our city officials on, on cutting back water and only using it Monday, Wednesday, it showers every other day and, and things like that. And God brings this abundance of rain in the Sierras, and, and we, we forget how just... We rely on God so much for everything. We forget that. So when I bring pestilence, when I bring famine, when I bring drought, he said, because my people have rebelled against me, they have become disobedient, they have rejected me. When I bring these things to do what? To wake them up. Thank God when you get spanked by God. Have you ever been spanked by God? If had I not been spanked for God, I would not be here today. I would be buried in a cemetery in Lancaster, California without a shadow of a doubt. Because the human nature left to itself will destroy itself. The flesh says, feed me so I can destroy you. That carnality that Paul talks about. It says, if my people humble themselves. If my people humble themselves. I don't care what wicked kings are doing in Assyria. I don't care what the Babylonians are doing. I don't care what's Egyptians are doing if my people see God we here's what we forget we get all worried about the majority right oh if we could just have a thousand people at this event or if we could just have the majority of people vote this way or if we could just God says I am the majority you plus God is the majority did you know that I've done so much to disrupt the kingdoms of darkness in the last 20 years that I can't even believe it but it's because of God he used a dumb country boy Construction worker who couldn't speak well, who had a learning disability, graduated high school at the 1.8.
1: That's my credentials. And I love when people say, Brother, man, where'd you go to school? Nowhere? School of Hard Knocks? I have nothing to lean
0: on. I can't impress you. I have nothing. But the spirit of God filling me with his spirit, with boldness and truth and love. And he said, if my people, you plus God is a majority, oh, if I could get a church even this size, full and on fire for God, at the altar, on their face, and it dawned on me, man, if we could really have a glimpse of Christ when they sang that song, Natalie sang that song, here I am on my knees. Oh, could you imagine if we got on our knees and cried out to God, But like, no, we're too bored, we're too, what, what's for lunch? Oh, the shame, I hope he doesn't go along the buffet line line's going to be full where's that desperation where's the desperation for more of god god we're not leaving here until i hear from the risen savior i need direction for my life my kids need the lord i'm going to call i'm going to call down heaven that's revival that's awakening the church oh i don't like that well you need to be revived you like netflix for four hours a day you'll go to cinemark and sit there for three hours But when you're in the church of the living God, you're
1: bored. The problem is you need spiritual resuscitation to be revived. If my people, if us, if we humble ourselves and pray, if we humble ourselves and pray and what? Seek his face. I have more liberty
0: here because I'm not on a time limit and I didn't talk about this at the first service. But that word, many people miss it. If my people humble themselves, so that's hard right there, hello? Humble themselves and pray, not just a quick prayer on your way, I'm talking a life of prayer, close the closet prayer closet door and seek the heart of God. And if they seek me, that word seek is very interesting because, like you, I read it for a decade. I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I seek God, right? I mean, we're seeking God here, which is true. Don't get me wrong. But I started to do a word study, and it actually it's a Hebrew word, bakash. Bakash. And as, you, as I look, I'm like, oh, my goodness. It's seeking until you find it. And I thought of, like, and I won't confess this to too many people, but it's out there on the internet now, so it's too late. But I think it was—I um, might have lost my son at the fair many years ago, and uh, my two little ones were at the zoo recently. I couldn't find them. So did I go? You know what? Let me go
1: eat first. Let me eat first. Let me run some errands. What do you do? Everything stops.
0: I'm no longer hungry. I don't have to use the bathroom. What do I have to? Do? I have to find that. Child, Bakash. So are we really seeking God with all of our heart? Is he really on the forefront of our lives, on the, on the main burner? And He's an all-consuming passion. Yes, we have to work. We have lives to lead. But is he that, really that all-consuming passion? Lord, I'm going I'm to get up in the morning and I'm going to seek you until I find you. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just pressing. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. Same thing as losing a child. You lose your child at the mall. You're going to go have lunch. You're going to go to the next store. Let me go to, let me go to keep shopping. I'll, I'll find them later. That's not the, no, that becomes the priority. You have, to, you have to find that child until, I mean, you keep searching until you find them. So that's the same word. Seek me with all of your heart. Not a half-hearted approach. Do you know that now on surveys, the Americans now, it used to be church just about every Sunday decades ago. Now it's twice a month. Twice a month. Uh, and if you're like, you know, I, I can relate because I live that life. Saying I don't, if I feel like it, I'll go. If I don't feel like it, I won't. And of course, if I'm not going to have a Havasu, I'm not going to Idaho, I'm not going jet skiing, I'm not going... Uh, motocross. I'm not going mountain biking. I'm not going camping. I'm not going to the High
1: Sierras. Oh, okay, I think I can fit him in this Sunday. Oh, how sad. How sad. We miss
0: that deep relationship with God. And he can be in all those different things, but he has to be the
1: priority. And then the final thing, I'm going to drop the hammer. you guys ready? Hold on. Hold on, put on your seatbelt. If they... Can we say this in this church? If my people humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and come on now, help me. Turn from our wicked ways? Turn from our wicked ways? Is there wicked ways in the church? Do you know how many are addicted to porn in the church at large? 50%. Do you know how many deal with a critical, bitter, arrogant heart? Numbers even higher.
0: Godlessness in the church is running rampant.
1: Somebody said, and maybe you guys can help me on this one. I, I wish you were hot or cold. But if you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. Jesus said that Revelation 3,
0: writing to the church, last church in Laodicea. Hey, I wish you were hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Anybody drink lukewarm coffee or tea? Even water on a hot summer day? (laughs) There's this, if my people, if my people. And so what's happening here is Jeremiah 18. Jeremiah 18, so that's, that's the same type of context, talking to God's people. Then the word of the Lord. Oh, I want to say this about the Old Testament. I completely forgot. We cannot say, I I don't think we can say it's the same as the Old Testament, but we can say it's similar. It may not necessarily apply to us directly, but there is direct application. We cannot become become unhitched from the Old Testament. Jesus said it many times. It is written, it is written, it is written. Deuteronomy, quoting uh, the law and prophets many times. This prophet said, this prophet. It's, it's, It's looking to the Old Testament for principles to guide us even today. So there's many here, Jeremiah 18. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Says the Lord, look as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my house, o house in my hand, O house of Israel. And I'm not going to go, I've got, I've got probably an hour's worth of sermons for, for, for Idaho, but I just want to get to the main points this morning. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? So the Lord is saying, I am the potter, you are the clay. My sovereignty will prevail. So are you moldable this morning? Is your your heart pliable and moldable? Guys, that's where it starts. In order for the filling of the Spirit to come and mightily change us, we have to be open and teachable and pliable. Lord, I am clay in the hands of a potter. What do most people say? Instead of saying that, they say, nope, my plans, I'm done. I, I, here's my plans, Lord, come and bless it. They don't want to ask the Lord to, bless, to, to show them and to break them and to humble them. The Puritans used to say the same sun that hardens the clay outside will melt the wax. And the same word of God, it's, it, this is the most interesting thing as a preacher I see, the same word of God goes out. One person breaks and weeps and cries out to God, and they're full of the Spirit. The other person leaves angrily,
1: upset. I I said the same thing with the same tone. No different. What's the difference? The heart, the human heart.
0: And he goes on to say, in the instant, Jeremiah 18, 7-10, in the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom, the instant I speak, in other words, they have, they, have, they have tried my patience, and I'm concerned that we're confusing God's patience with his approval. He said, as soon as I make that decision, enough is enough and the judgment hand of God is going to fall. I'm going to destroy that nation. If that nation whom I have spoken against, if it turns from the evil that, I will, that I'm going to, to, to lay upon it, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. If that nation hears the voice of truth and they turn back to me, they repent, I will stay my hand of judgment. I personally believe that the reason we're not seeing more tragedy and, and judgment in America is because the remnant has been crying out and fasting and praying and pleading the blood and interceding. Oh, the power of intercession. Oh, if you can intercede, Jesus, God said, I look for a man from among them, Ezekiel, and I look for them to, to stand beha- between me and the nation, Lord, stay your hand of judgment like Moses don't judge these people Elijah, Jeremiah they would intercede and God said I looked but I found no one to intercede before me on behalf of the people this is not a new concept you've heard of Jonah what happened there? Assyrians were going to be judged in 40 days God's going to judge them and they repented and Jonah got mad he was wanting that judgment wasn't he? Oh, I forgot to tell you this, church. We need both truth and love. You guys can be the love side. If all you have is love, you'll become very lukewarm and carnal, and you will slippery, you will slide into the wokeism of what's going on. You won't call out sin. You're just gonna, just gonna always love, and it, it's, it's. Let you know, me not. Well, I know none of you. This is just an illustration, but behind a lot of this is cowardliness. That's what it is. We don't want to speak the truth in love. So before you start shaking your head too much on this side, you're the legalistic side. You're the truth. You're the truth guys. You ever run into those guys? The truth guys. Just the truth, the truth. Yeah, but you're arrogant. You're critical. I don't care about your pneumatology, your eschatology, your theology. I want to know your heart. I don't care if you've got books as high on hermeneutics and homiletics. Are you broken? Are you humble? Are you loving people? Because,
1: see, you can be straight as a gun barrel theologically. But just as empty. The Pharisees had the truth, didn't they? Jesus said, Oh, do what they say, but don't do what they do.
0: And that's where the term modern day Pharisee comes from. Have you ever heard that? Judgmental Jerry's, critical Cathy's. I don't know anybody named that name here, but if the shoe fits, wear it. But isn't that true, guys? We have to repent of that. We need both love and Truth, truth, Jesus said, he was, or John actually said, "In the, we behold the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We have to find that balance. If you don't have it, pray that you have it. Lord, help me find that balance. I prayed for people after the first service. that They're either on the love side or the truth side. Oh, yeah, I'm too critical and arrogant. Or this side, I'm too cowardly and wishy-washy. And, and finding that balance is so critical. But back to Jeremiah, that was just a rabbit trail. The instant I speak concerning that nation, if they turn back to me, I will relent of the disaster that I was going to pronounce upon it. And so again, I believe that remnant is holding back that tide. We we talk about Sodom and Gomorrah a lot, but do you know that we are more depraved than Sodom and Gomorrah? Absolutely. I have no question in my mind. Because they at least knew things were evil. Today, we call good evil and evil good. Today, a grown man can dress up like a woman, wear a thong bikini, and go dance in front of a six-year-old. My Lord, people, have we lost our mind? That's perversion. The church, where's the church, humble and broken, saying we gotta have a prayer meeting this week and, and intercede for our nation. No, we're too busy, we're too full, too bored. Do we really want it bad enough? Do you really want that desperate relation with God bad enough? Because it will cost you it will cost you. It comes with a cost. That is perversion. The sex trafficking, have you heard about the new movie coming out, Jim Caviezel and, and different things, and, and, and kids, and it's a number, It's like I am sick to my stomach. Do I even live? It's like I live in a cesspool, and I've got to get out of it every day and take a spiritual shower. And living in this filth, and you, and, and Sodom and Gomorrah, look at the nation we live in. Where are the intercessors? When is the last time you
1: prayed and fasted for the day? Oh, I won't make a difference. How do you know? You plus God is the majority. Tell William Wilberforce one person doesn't make a difference. Tell
0: the Apostle Paul one person doesn't make a difference. Tell Oswald Chambers, Amy Carmichael, Hudson Taylor, Adonijah Judson. All these people we love to read and we talk about, we know about. Started with
1: one person in a prayer closet on fire for God. I found that God does start with one person. And that flame of that, that fire becomes contagious.
0: And it's hard. I remember we started the church. My wife remembers opening night. We're going on 13 years in Lancaster, 200 people opening out. Oh, this is going to be great. Oh,
1: man. And by six months, I preached it down to 52. I remember driving home and said, Lord,
0: I, it doesn't matter to me, I'm gonna, whether it's five, 500, or 5,000, I'm going to preach what you tell me to preach and what you put on my heart. And then what happens is hungry people come. Hungry people come. And then he opens, many of you, I don't know if you know, but we bought 91.9 FM four years ago. It's aired from almost Acton all the way up to Mammoth Lakes. Every day, 24-7, getting the message out there and worship out there. And the church getting, and, and, and just God doing incredible things through one person who submits and surrenders. And it doesn't have to be perf- perfect. You think I do it perfectly? Just go talk to my wife or my kids. No, but they know I try. And I repent when I'm wrong. And I don't want to be haughty. I want to be who I am on Sunday, who I am on Monday. It's a process. It's, it's fighting the old flesh. Any, any of you war with the old man inside?
1: Come on, give me a break. I'm not as worried about the devil as I am the old man inside. Remember that old carnal nature? The old days? I still get protection
0: from people. I'm in Havasu. I'm like, well, have fun. Those places brought me down. not saying you can't do it. I'm just saying there's certain triggers for people, right? And again, there's so much here. Maybe even listen to the first service because I went into more detail. But he goes on to say, in the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build it back up. He said, in an instant again, I'm going to build it back up. But if that nation does evil in my sight and does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good which I said would benefit it. In other words, it's, it's God is seeing if the heart is right. You know how many people, they, they cry, but it's not genuine repentance? A.W. Tozer used to say, don't come up here and cry about it, go home and live it out. And so he said, okay, you wept and you cried, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to revive you, nation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to restore you again, but if you go back to your evil ways, if it was just lip service, then I will turn back around. And, and God is forced to bring that pestilence, that famine, that drought. He often judges even with foreign, foreign adversaries. Sound familiar? You think we're stronger than China right now? With these people we have in our administration? The, the stupidest decisions I've ever heard of. Pulling out of Afghanistan, how they did that, it's like, it's, it blows my mind, the level of stupidity. We ha- yeah, I said it, okay. I don't have to be back here next Sunday, so I can do that. <laughs> but again, I'm not, I'm, am I just saying the truth? I'm, I'm not saying Republican, Democrat, and Independent, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying where we are as a nation, we are ripe for judgment. If the church does not get on her face again and seek the heart of God, business as usual is not going to cut it in these dire times. Business as usual is not going to cut it in these dire times. I'm, I'm excited. Um, I'm going to speak at a, uh, on a panel at Turning Point USA event. Charlie Kirk, lots of pastors are coming in. They asked me to, to talk a little bit to the pastors and say things. And last year I recommended, hey, guys, it's great for these meetings and rah, 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 go team. But we need to have worship, times of worship and times of prayer. It, it starts from the top. We can't, business as usual is not going to cut it any, anymore. And a friend of mine, Malachi O'Brien, I think he's going to head that up, and they're going to start doing that now. And I went to the uh, National Religious Broadcasting event. And, guys, we can't have three days of meetings and not even pray and worship. Business as usual is not going to cut it anymore. We can't just come in and hurry up, get through those three songs, Fred, get through those announcements, hope it's a 30-minute sermon, because i got to go eat. You you think that is going to bring the hand of God into our lives and restore us? Business as usual is not going to cut it anymore because business as usual is not historical, biblical Christianity. I remember when the church would pray. I, I'm going to blow some minds here. I remember all-night prayer meetings. Oh, Lord. Well, why would I do that? Well, why wouldn't you do that? You sit and watch Netflix till midnight. See, there's no passion, there's no desire. We wonder why we're not seeing great exploits from God. Are people being healed and set free anymore? Where's the church of the living God? We're not called to come and listen for a few minutes, listen to worship, sing a few songs, and then go home. there's There's a change that must take place in our lives. And so he told Jeremiah, therefore, go and speak to the men of Judah and tell them, I am fashioning a disaster against you. Return now. Return now. Return now. When you hear his voice harden not your heart, the call is always to return. And if you think I'm being too brazen in this area, read Isaiah, read Jeremiah, read Daniel, read Ezekiel, read Joel and Amos. Oh, please read the minor prophets, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Read Hosea, how he would call the people. And he said, prepare to meet thy maker. O Israel, prepare to meet thy God. It's a difficult truth that get us to break and humble ourselves.
1: Is that not true? At least nobody's walked out and left yet that I know of. It's not uncommon. It's not
0: uncommon. Because people do not like to be lovingly confronted with the truth.
1: What do they say? Tell me sweet things. Coddle me. For the time will come when they will not endure,
0: put up with, sound, good, biblical, solid, hard-hitting teaching. They will look for teachers who will tell them what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. As a result, the church is a mile wide, but only an inch deep.
1: Speak the truth. And just just to make you feel better, I, I don't like to say difficult things. I was a people pleaser. That's why
0: I cannot even believe I'm doing this. Nobody's more surprised than me, trust me. People believe... Pe- ple- people-pleaser, couldn't speak well, stuttering, speech impediment, overweight, shy,
1: not a good combination. And the more you read God's Word, though, as
0: you know, the more you're full with the Spirit, You've, you, you have to speak the truth. And when it gets, it gets challenging, doesn't it? I mean, many, maybe you don't have a constant criticism like I do 24-7, seven days a week, no holiday breaks. But there's that, it's hard. And sometimes I say, am I even making a difference? Look at the, look at, Sacramento, look at, are we, what is going on? I don't even want to preach his word anymore. Have you ever felt that way? Thank God Jeremiah can relate. He said, because when I said that, but I couldn't because his word was in my heart like a burning fire. It was shut up in my bones. I could not hold it back. He said, the word of God is like a fire that devours, it's like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. And he says, we need to get back to the unadulterated word of God that pierces the heart and brings the sinner
1: to salvation and brings the carnal Christian to full surrender. That is biblical, historical Christianity. And he said, return to them. Return.
0: And I want to skip ahead to Jeremiah 18.12. This is so sad, but it's so true. Jeremiah paints this picture. 18.12 18.12 He paints this picture for them. Hey, can you imagine if they said, hey, just turn back to God and he will fix everything. It might take a while, but you'll get the, have you ever had that joy of the Lord and you've lost it? Man, I would do anything for that. I don't know about you, but there's no other high like King Jesus. And being filled with the Spirit of God and the joy that surpasses all understanding, all hell can be breaking loose, but still there's that joy and that peace. And he said, just turn back to God. What did they say? Oh my goodness, this is hopeless.
1: It's too hard. We will not turn back to God. Unbelievable. But it's not really because I hear this a lot. Oh, man, Shane, I can't
0: fast. I have have blood sugar levels issues. Yeah, so so did I. I come to find out I was just addicted to sugar. Once I got rid of that addiction, everything fell fell into place. Oh, I can't do this. i got to eat every three hours. Okay. Can you, can, you, can you curb something? Can you do some is there some type of desperation? Oh man, prayer meetings, man, I don't know, my knees are bad and, and my back's hurt. And how do you go watch? How do you mow the lawn and go watch sports and see there's no desperation? We make excuses to hide our apathy. I, I'm preaching to myself. Amen. Excuses, excuses will stop that mighty flowing of God's Spirit through your life good time to remind you, if you don't like what I'm saying, it's because you need to hear what I'm saying.
1: And guys, I don't, I don't say this because I'm mad. I'm not angry. I'm passionate. I love to see people on fire for God. If you saw every month the lives I see broken by addiction, marriages broken, little kids saying, why well, is daddy coming home? Why are they
0: screaming? Why are they yelling? I thought they loved the Lord. If you see, if you see what I
1: see, you would change your mind immediately and get your life on, on fire for God. That is our only hope. They said it's too hard. This is hopeless. So we will do our own thing. Sorry, God. And then what happens after that? Jeremiah 18.18.
0: Are they going to let Jeremiah off the hook? Nope. They say, come and let us devise plans against Jeremiah. Come and let us attack him with the tongue and let us not give heed to any of his words. They're going to shoot the messenger. They want to kill the communicator and punish the
1: prophet. Is that not true? Silencing the voice of truth. Isn't that what they're trying to do? Church, be quiet. Be quiet. You think if I try to, if I try to preach a
0: message like this, I'm going to go up on, on, a little, on a little stand in Hollywood Boulevard and Vine.
1: Repent. For the king of heaven, repent. I don't know if I'd make it home. But if I say God is love, he loves everyone. Just you don't need to change. You don't need to,
0: everything is good. Everything is fine. Man, now, some of that's true, right? God is love. God loves everyone. But he also calls us to repentance. What was the number one sign of a
1: false prophet? Saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Be careful who you listen to. The false prophet. God told,
0: actually, Jeremiah. Oh, wouldn't you know it? In chapter 23, I have not sent these prophets, but they ran. I have not spoken to them, but they spoke. They told people false things, false truths. They gave them comfort in their sin. He said, I have not spoken. I have not let these false prophets. But had these false prophets, had they stood in my counsel, and had they preached my word, they would have turned this nation back to me. Is not my word like a fire? Like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. You need pastors in their prayer closet filled with the Spirit of God to get this nation back on the right course. And then you need men. Men. Hello? Men, this is time to step up. Why are, why are more women at prayer meetings? Why are women leading in the church in certain areas? It's men need to step up and that, take that, 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 that spot
1: of, of just leading their homes, spiritually speaking. I went on long enough. I'm just going to close with this last point. You might want to listen to the first service too because I went over a lot
0: more things. That's what happens a lot of times when I preach. Never, no message is ever the same. It grows legs. Thus says the Lord. My point was living it out. Thus says the Lord. Here's the cure. It's Jeremiah again. Stand in the way. Stand in the way and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in your walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. He says, stand in the old paths. Stand in the old ways and ask for the old path. You know what the old path is? The right path. Amen. I don't know why, but I just thought of that old uh, Judd song. Remember the Judds? Grandpa, tell me about the good old days. Remember that one? Did families really bow their heads to pray? Did daddies really never go away? Oh, take me back to the good old days, but we can do the same thing with God's word. Lord, take me back to integrity and honesty and brokenness. And Lord, I want to have the fire of God again. We want to stand for righteousness and not let the, the evil perversion come in. Lord, will you, will you strengthen me, ignite me with that fire and that passion? Go back and find that old past and
1: return to it, and you'll find rest for your soul. I'm going to close with a quote from uh,
0: Roy Moore, Judge Judge Roy Moore. Remember him from Alabama? Many years ago, he, he was removed from office because he took down the Ten Commandment Monument in the courthouse in Alabama, and they removed him from office. And he wrote these words, While truth and law were founded on the God of all creation, man now through law denies that truth and calls it separation. No longer does man see a need for God when he's in full control for the only truth self-evident is in the latest poll. Our schools have become a battleground while all across the land, Christians shrug their shoulders afraid to take a stand. And from the grave, their voices cry, the victory has already been won. Just glorify the Father as did His only Son. And when your work on here is done and you've traveled where we've trod, you'll leave the land we left to you, one nation under God. And that's our call, guys, is to, to humble ourselves and repent. And I'm not, I'm not about, you know, American pr- pride and Americanism or whatever you call these things, but it, it's, it's okay to be proud of what God has done, proud of the gift that God says, here's this gift. Did you know you live better than 99% of the entire world? And our comfort has become, our blessing has become our distraction, has become a curse. And God is drawing us back to Him. So I want just two groups I want to appeal to. Number one, if you've never truly repented, If you've never truly repented, that word means change your mind and change your actions. It says, God, I am a sinner. I need Christ. That's the whole point of the cross. That's why we're here. That's why we look to the cross. Because that provided access now to the Father because of my sin. And you repent and you believe. You would not believe how many people come to church and they have religion but not relationship. Religion goes through the motions. Check off the box, do the right thing, say the right thing. I even sang the songs up there. Is that okay? I'm born in America. I'm a Christian. I went to a Christian school. Mm. Religion, not relationship. Relationship says, I own it. I repent. I repent of my sin. God, I need you. I'm not the captive of my own ship. I'm not the master of my own destiny. God, I repent and I believe in the incredible gift of Christ's sacrifice on the cross
1: you would not believe the amount of Christians I run into who have never done that because of pride.
0: Ah, oh, Pastor, I, I've been a Christian all my life. I, I, I'm a Baptist. What does that have to do with anything? What, when did you repent and believe? And they start to get a little upset. What do you, are you challenging my faith? I told you I've been a Christian all my life. Have you ever repented and believed? You have to ask yourself that question. That's, that's, that's the, the, that is salvation, repentance and belief and faith. And then the second group, I'm going to close with this, is the church, many of many people in the church, it's where I've been before and it's where I'll go back to if I slide, if I, if I drift, it's that, that fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's not something to be scared of. Paul said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be, be, be filled. It's a, it's a continual filling of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, go and remain and wait until the fulfillment, the promise of the Father, and you'll be endued with power from on high. Many people don't have that, that power of the Holy Spirit in their, whole li- in their life.
1: As I said many times before, you have all of the Holy Spirit at conversion. But does he have all of you? Did you know Oswald Chambers taught seminary and he said
0: the Bible was the most dry, uninteresting book I've ever read until that day came when he received this mighty filling of the Holy Spirit. D.L. Moody, same thing. John Bunyan, Amy Carmichael. I can take you through all the great Christian leaders of the past. Many times, and the reason why they call it a second work of grace or something happens later, it's because we come, like I came to salvation at 12 years old. I I love the Lord, I understand it, but then I love Shane Eidelman more. And I got carnal, and I quenched and grieved the Spirit. Still a believer. I I would say I was a Christian if you asked me, but you wouldn't know it because I was
1: quenching and grieving the Spirit. And then God spanked me a few times. Ever been spanked by God? Thank God for the spankings. And then finally said, okay, Lord, I surrender everything. Everything. Everything
0: is yours. My finances, my relationships, my calling, whatever you called me to do, I surrender everything. And that's when the filling of the Holy Spirit came in. The Bible came alive. Bye-bye, George Strait. Hello, Hello Hillsong. Back when Hillsong wasn't under controversy,
1: right? Right? Sorry, sorry, Conway Twitty. Faith Hill, Tim McGraw. You know the old chain had to die. And now I love. I used to hate. If you hate worship, you have to ask why. Correct. Now there's preference, right? Old hymns, contemporary,
0: you know, different. There's preferences, but if you just don't like worship.
1: Hello, ding, 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 ding. There's a problem here. There's, there, the, sh- your heart should cry, Abba, Father, not get away from me, Father. And
0: that what's main, the filling of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And then you want to witness. You ever not, do you ever not witness for Christ? I don't want to talk about it. I'll go to church. That's my bubble. But when the fullness of the Spirit, you want to tell people about Jesus in Vons or you're shopping you want to can, can I pray for you you look like you're down can I and the full, you're living the life the spirit filled life not perfectly But that's how you make a difference. This person's life has changed. This person. But we have millions and millions in the American church don't talk about Jesus, don't do anything for God. They're quenching and grieving the Spirit. They go to church twice a week and they wonder why we're in the condition we are in. My advice is stop complaining about the condition of our nation and do something about it. Be filled with the Spirit of God. All right. Well, that didn't get much applause. So, you know. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, right? It's, it's hitting, it hits the heart. It hits the heart. It hits the heart's truth. And trust me, if you, if you knew me, you, you don't, I'm, I would just love to walk out that door and leave because I don't want to, I don't want to upset people. I'm a people pleaser. I want everyone to like what I have to say. But you, when you wrestle with what you want to hear and what does God want me to say, he wins. He wins every time because I have to drive home and say, Lord, did I do what you called me to do? And I went home and I've looked at my notes and I've apologized to God because I was too afraid to say what He put on my heart. And you do that enough times, you begin to learn, oh well, let the chips fall where they may. And I've learned that if you let God let the chips fall where they may, they fall in the right spot. Because you can fill fill a, a... I, I know we could fill it, just enormous. We could be, we could have been a mega church years ago. People told me, "The Shane, just calm down, man. Just you, you, you can, you're engaging. You tell a story. Just you know, man. Just, just be relatable. And, and you know, seven steps to financial breakthrough, and and six steps to a healthy marriage, and four steps to financial success, and and just uh, your best life now, and and just talk. You know, man. Maybe you could just a lot of people come and, and hear, right? But would they be changed? Would they be changed? Because the gospel pierces the heart. The truth of God's word pierces the heart. And it confronts us with the reality and the need for repentance.